somewhere around 40, the nightmares start. We call it aging. We're told it's time to stop dancing, time to put glitter shoes away, time to act our age. Voices from beyond slowly grow louder and thoughts turn to the grave. As if our life stops mid-bloom, we fear that growing old will hold no good. If ever thoughts pleaded for a widening perspective, aging ones do. So we better make peace, accept this progression. We better think on how we'll want to live, what we can't live without, and who we'll live beside. The older we get, the more age can look like wisdom and peace. The more we settle into essence, the more we fight for what we most believe from a sturdy stance of inner strength, the more our vision of life starts to manifest. Yes, we'll all grow old someday, and there's power and wisdom in the growing as we turn each and every living page. Today we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, the unspoken fear we have of aging and death, and how the sweetest people in our lives can conjure up our greatest fears, all because we can't face losing them and then losing ourselves. This episode is a bit deep at times, maybe a bit sad, but no deeper than life itself. And in that way, Everything that's said today is in the service of a joyful life in your older days. I'm Jill Hodge, writer and host of Let the Verse Flow, a bi-weekly personal growth podcast where I share my special mixtape of stories, poems, and music that's designed to help you turn your struggles into strength. It's a new brand of self-improvement. The opinions I express here are my own and not a substitute for professional help. If you need someone to talk to, please reach out to a mental health professional. Now, sit back and relax and listen to my reflections from the bright side of the bee. It started in hushed tones when I was in my mid-40s. I would think about getting older and sometimes about death and started to get uncomfortable. I had a young child, so it was easier to push it aside and move forward with my day's long to-do list. I'd revisit those thoughts sort of over and over again as I passed from my 40s to my 50s until there was no escaping the transition. I was getting older, and I've recently started to think more deeply about what that means for me and what it looks like. At 58, I know I can't get my way around getting older. Perhaps like me, as you started to think about aging somewhere in your 40s, maybe, you started exercising more or eating more healthy foods and listening more eagerly when conversations turned to the latest sort of cosmetic treatments, all on a search to preserve our youth. I don't think I'm particularly vain, but I indulge beauty and rejuvenation topics more readily for a while, and you'll hear how that worked out for me in a bit. Uh, But now, instead of hunting down beauty treatments, I'm searching for more mindfulness and more insight into what's most important to me and what I can't live without as I age. 
I'm looking for the positive signs of aging and inviting you at any age to consider these ideas. And I'm hoping that what I'm about to tell you will resonate with you and make you consider a path to aging that is more flowers in bloom than doom and gloom. And to do that, we'll need to be more mindful of our present moment and more accepting of the essential pathways to our richest life, that which we call a purposeful life. All paths lead to aging, so it's time to settle into a cozy seat and think about how you want to age. To show you how silly this preservation of youth can get, I'm going to tell you a little story about how I panicked for a bit and took a left turn to try to get rid of one of the signs of aging that I liked least of all. And when I look back on it, I kind of kick myself. I really, I feel duped. Um, Here it goes. So I have varicose veins, small ones and some spider veins on my upper thigh. And my mom has them. And I'm told that they run in the family. You know, it's a genetic thing. But as I started getting older, I noticed myself sort of looking at them more often. And when I wore shorts, I'd like gaze down at them and notice that these little purple like veins were spread out over the edge of my outer thigh. I'm telling you in truth, I'm sure I'm the only one who noticed or cared about them. It certainly wasn't any like external criticism or feedback that I was getting to make me think that they were ugly, but I did. And I told myself that they looked more purple and that they ruined my tone thighs and the work I was doing in the gym at the time. So I went on a search for laser techniques that would get rid of them. And I found this local vein practice. It was one of these sort of like half medical, half cosmetology clinics that have sprouted up all over the city. And I was told that I had venous insufficiency, which sounded plausible, and that I should have laser surgery. It was really minor to treat the veins. And I did. I did a series of procedures, and I wore these awful compression stockings for like a week after each procedure. And during this healing time, I would gaze down at my legs, and instead of a small section of purple capillary veins, I now had big bruises all down my leg. Eventually, I also developed an area of numbness that was caused by some minor nerve damage on my shin. Now, while most of the bruising went away, because I'm melanated, I also developed these dark splotches on my leg. Small, but noticeable. And it turns out that instead of ending up with the results I wanted, I just sort of switched one problem for another. So what did my vein procedure get me? Some modest relief from the itchiness and and less purple veining, you know, on the upper thigh. But now I have several small spots of hyperpigmentation and a numb patch on my shin. Now, could I have lived with the small purple veins and the itchiness? Probably. And was I motivated by health concerns over my legs? I told myself I was at the time, but later I fessed up that I was just being vain. The, the other kind of vein. And it cost me because now multiple areas of my legs look worse. Because the side effects were worse than the cure. Even if my legs look perfect, it would have changed the fact that I'm aging. That my body's changing. In fact, now that I'm in my late 50s, I realize how much the body can change in the span of just a few years. 
I'm also smart enough to know that gray hairs, wrinkles, and spider veins come with my body's time capsule, you know, that I can expect these changes and I better start figuring out how to deal with them. And what hindsight has taught me is that I should have spent my time and energy continuing to focus on healthy eating and exercising to make sure that my muscles and my balance, my flexibility and my metabolism were healthy rather than focusing on my outer appearance. Good news though, I learned my lesson and now I think about how my changing body is a reflection of a more natural process that comes with some really powerful and interesting benefits. Things like not giving so many fucks about problems, you know, knowing what I want and asking for it without like judgment, uh, things like recognizing pleasurable moments while they're happening. You know, the list of benefits is quite long and it all ends with the biggest benefit, which is the desire and the means to pursue my purpose. So I'm shaking off the foolish feelings about my little excursion into vanity measures and learning that my worth is not measured by my looks. A gold star for me. It turns out I'm teachable in my older years. Dealing with my mother's ailing health has also straightened up some things, namely that I should focus on the important stuff, like being mindful of the time I have to spend with my loved ones, like my mom and my family, and focusing on creative pursuits that make me feel fulfilled, like my poetry and podcasting. I've moved past the stage where I want to fight the effects of aging on my looks, and now I'm working on cultivating my inner power and my resilience and my happiness, those big things. And I want those things for you too. So please learn from my lesson and look inward while aging. You will realize that you have the potential to become a better human. And that, my friend, is a beautiful thing. Here's my latest poem on the bright side of aging. It's inspired by my mom's decades-long use of orthopedic shoes and compression stockings. It's about how silly we can be when looking at the outward signs of aging, especially given the fact that our most cherished loved ones are aging with every breath. Their stored knowledge, their deep affection for us, and their patience all increase with age. And we rely on their brand of wisdom while sometimes forgetting that it comes as a byproduct of getting older. This poem's called Old and Divine. Sometimes I just want to look at you, no matter what they say about the signs of age not looking best. Your scars tell a story, a tale, part symphony. The scratches on your forehead a flush spread out, cacophony. The wrinkles on your neck, draped like Sunday pearls, a luster and hue, gravity pulls as the world turns. Your hands may shake, a quiver is fine. As long as breath slips in and out, the air's divine. Purple veins creep up your leg, with shoes a bitter tongue calls orthopedic as if support should be scorned, as if sturdy, a dirty word. We grow old, and as we do, we likely seek a pinnacle, both lofty and steep. Before ushered about, cobwebs cleared out on the way to our final, lasting sleep.
orthopedic shoes sitting quietly in the corner. No one wants them, but we want back who wore them. Remember who walked in those ugly shoes. They called you love, said you tasted sweet, and made you feel safe, complete. As we age through times both testing and sublime, our mind gets still as elders do anchor us. It's by design. The dance of aging and ageless, until the end, divine. All right. Now, even I know that I'm getting a bit heavy here. You're probably thinking to yourself, hold up, Jill. Why are you talking about all this death and dying bullshit when I just want to live? Can't I just live? Have you lost your mind talking about orthopedic shoes and aging divinely? Where's the bright beat you've been talking about? Jeez. Okay, okay, I get it. This topic is a bit of a downer, but we got to discuss it. And so because I love you all, I'm going to give you a little musical break. Here's a happy interlude. You deserve it. Before we get to the part of this episode where I drop off and start talking about the research on our collective midlife crisis. Enjoy the highs of this song as we float above the clouds. All sunshine, flip-flops, ice-cold cocktails with a view, and our love by our side. The blessings of music. We are never too old for that. Okay. So now that I have your attention back and you all remember that your heart still beats and you can still feel frisky and you want to live and love and jive, let's talk about the midlife dip that many of us experience and wait for it, the uptick in purpose and happiness later in life. We need something to live for. There's been some really interesting research on aging, midlife and happiness lately from the Greater Good Science Center. Um, I follow them and I get um, their newsletter. And I'm going to summarize some of their research. Um, you can read more for yourself. Um, you can find all the links in the show notes. Uh, I don't want to harp on these research findings because I think we can get bombarded with facts and surveys about happiness and personal growth. And when that happens, it can feel overwhelming and then hard to know how to turn the facts into like a way forward, like toward action. Um if you find out that people experience a midlife decline in happiness, as one report finds, where does that leave you? I don't think you're probably, you're not surprised. So sure, it ups your awareness, but it doesn't usually present a clear roadmap for handling that truth. So I'll give you a few facts, and then I hope to inspire you to spend some time reflecting on thoughts I have for what to do next. The research on happiness shows that worldwide happiness takes a dip in midlife, and it's at its lowest between the ages of 47 and 49. And this pattern has been seen over time with multiple studies finding the same U-curve dip. So that pattern of happiness looks like this. It's high in young adulthood, and then it declines and gets to its lowest point in your late 40s. And then it starts to rise up again 
as you age. We're going to come back to this rise in happiness that happens later in life, because that's where the good stuff is. And while no one's certain why this dip occurs, researchers believe that there are like biological, social, and psychological factors that all contribute to it. Perhaps we're hardwired through biology, because apes experience this dip too. It's really kind of interesting. But it's influenced by changing expectations and this like period of self-reflection that usually we have when we're in our 40s. You know, think back to your 40s, you start to sort of think about things a lot, like where are you in your life and is it where you want to be? And perhaps we compare our lives to others and see them, you know, see our life sort of lacking. And we wonder or doubt if the dreams of our youth, you know, are ever going to come true. So it seems reasonable to think that after the rush of ambition and family building in our 20s and 30s is over, we would want to take some time in our 40s to reflect. And perhaps that thinking gets us feeling some sort of way about where we stand. Researchers speculate that having a community and prioritizing relationships are helpful in like kind of combating or lessening this dip in happiness especially um, because community helps reduce loneliness, and loneliness is a huge factor in, un- in feeling unhappy. Midlife, when people are between ages 40 and 65, can be filled with crisis. This I see in a lot of the research. Often people are kind of sandwiched. We know about the sandwich period between taking care of your old ailing parents and taking care of your sort of adult kids or your you know older teen Uh, kids. I definitely know that taking care of my mom has required me to reduce my work hours and spend more time multitasking, which isn't particularly productive. It doesn't make you feel productive. And that's a downer. You know, how should we feel about these added responsibilities? How do we prioritize ourselves and our inner kind of emotional states and this reduction in time spent pursuing like joyful activities? There's no time really sometimes for art making or writing or socializing during this phase in life. And that's, that's a reality that we have to think about. And then there's this added caregiving. It puts a strain on lots of aspects of our life, our work life. It can put us at financial risk. Also, our own healthcare bills can start to rise as we deal with like new chronic health problems that kind of pop up during this time in midlife. And it all sounds rather bleak and like, We may not have much control over this dip in happiness. Um, And we feel sandwiched sometimes between all of these demands from different people in our lives. Many of us are questioning our choices and comparing ourselves to other people around us who may appear to have led a more fruitful, you know, or successful life. But there is a way to inch back toward more happiness. And the research shows that it's wrapped up in finding your purpose. Developing a purposeful life is intimately connected to finding a goal that engages your truest sense of identity, who you think you are, and how you want to move around in the world with some aspect of giving to or authentically communicating with others. We draw from our true selves to give to another person or to the greater good of the world. And we see from that, that we have happier feelings kind of develop. And we're much better, I think, in our 40s and older at knowing 
who we are inside. What does that true identity look like and how can we express it? How do we want to share it with the rest of the world? We're no longer solely driven by childhood dreams or career goals or family aspirations. As we get older, we kind of need to craft new goals that have agency and vitality that sparks us deep inside. We set new agendas that require some work, but work that's very meaningful to us, work that's self-directed, that we make decisions about, and usually in the service of others. These goals can make us feel more purposeful and in time, more hopeful. I think that, you know, when I created this podcast, this is a really good example of how I'm trying to build purpose in my life. I never, you know, if you'd asked me even six months, well, no, if you'd asked me about a year ago, if I thought I was going to start a podcast, I would say, what? No, I'm a writer. I'm not going to do that. And if you had told me that I was going to write poems and share poems and, you know, do spoken word over music and, and tell stories and talk about personal growth, I, I would have told you that you were crazy. But the seeds of all of these components, the poetry, the love of music, the personal growth, the positive psychology, all the research and writing that I've done in my life have really prepared me for this podcast. And it was deep inside me. There was a purpose that started to come up and grow and manifest into this podcast. And I wouldn't have done this in my 20s. I wouldn't have done it in my 30s. I wouldn't have done it in my 40s. It's only in my 50s right now when I'm, you know, kind of beginning to process all of the crisis of my mother's you know, illness and, and aging, and also having transition with my 20-year-old daughter going to college, being in college and leaving the house. Um, you know, I'm in a new phase in my life, and I'm beginning to really know who I am. And this podcast is about who I am, and it's about trying to connect that part of me to all of you. And so I want you to find your purpose too. And I think 40s, 50s, 60s, this is the time when we can think about this. We can devote time to this. Interestingly, there's other benefits too that start to manifest from engaging in more purposeful activities as we age. Everything improves. Health, wellness. Uh, we take better care of our bodies. We reduce our stress. So check out the show notes to read more about these research findings on happiness and purpose. Um, you know, I've talked enough about the facts. I want to sort of share three ideas for getting started about how to find your purpose and move towards more, move and move towards uncovering your purpose. So first, all the research points to the fact that we need to be part of a community. As human beings, we need social networks that we can belong to. And this goes beyond whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. I consider myself to be pretty introverted, but it may look to the world like I'm an extrovert. Sometimes it does, but I don't feel that way on the inside. But this is beyond that. This is not about, you know, whether you feel shy or whether you're outgoing. This is about the human need to connect with others. Belonging is vital to our well-being and to helping us push forward with personal growth and, and with any creative pursuits that we have. You know, I started this podcast to find my tribe and to build a community. 
I just had this overwhelming feeling that this is how I needed to grow. And while it's a huge experiment at this point, you know, I'm already starting to reap the rewards of the community. I have old friends and new ones are kind of reaching out to me to talk about the podcast, to share new ideas, to show love for the show. And it feels really good to connect about something that means so much to me. Perhaps you want to build connection with others in an art class, like a pottery class or a dance class, or build a small community of friends who exercise together, like in the park. But I think it's important to start with an activity that means a lot to you and then try to find others who share that passion. The next suggestion is to feed your soul. No matter how stressful your day gets, and this is doubly true for those of you who are caregivers, you must, it is essential for you to schedule in at least a few activities in your week that feed your soul. This could be through creative projects like woodworking or painting or writing. This could be through self-care activities like walks in nature, meditation, having lunch with friends, but this is a non-negotiable need. It's not a frivolous waste of time. You will be far more productive and helpful to your loved ones and have more energy for caregiving if you feed your soul along the way. It helps reduce burnout, and frankly, you deserve to give to yourself as much as you give to others. Even if that means giving less to them, you must make time for yourself. Map out at least three things you can give to yourself during stressful caregiving times and get in at least one on really challenging days. I know what I'm talking about here because I'm a caregiver to several family members, not just my mom. And giving myself time to write, time to meditate, time to exercise is essential. It helps me wake up each day and power through the tasks that lay before me and do it with more kindness and charity in my heart. Please fill your cup and then you can fill someone else's. And last, as you get older, your motivation to make meaning should increase. Seize the day and start finding ways to have meaningful moments with yourself and meaningful interactions with others. Meaning and purpose are often greatest when we put our needs aside for just a little bit and help others. Giving to others has a wonderful way of coming back to us, and we find that the act of giving has benefits that we hadn't anticipated. The way they say thank you. You know, the unexpected word of praise. The accomplishments of others that we helped influence. They all add to our meaning and bring us greater joy. So small acts of kindness, sharing what you know, maybe mentoring, and actively listening to loved ones, especially their stories, will enrich your life and add meaning. Your intentionality during this time in your life and your growing recognition that you have to be fully present, that you need to be fully present, will make these interactions more important. I want you to pursue purpose like it's a job because this work, quote unquote, has huge dividends to give back to you. So please pursue purpose in your own unique way. I hope these ideas have helped.
The road to purposeful living as you age is forged by creating new goals that you believe in with all your heart and soul. You share your particular talents, your viewpoints, your artistry, and your energy with yourself and others, and find that putting forth that effort repays you with feelings of pride and purpose. Here are some journal prompts to help set those goals and begin to take you on an upward path toward greater happiness at any age. First, what's something that you do better at this age than you did when you were younger? And how does it impact your life in a positive way? And second, when you are quiet and can listen to your inner thoughts, what types of activities do they direct you toward? Could these activities be an indication of your path toward greater purpose? And three, write about a character trait of an elder family member or friend that you either share or admire. What do you admire about it and why? Until next time, stay close to your true self, express it, share it, and find your purpose as you journey forward toward the bright side of the beat. To check out my free podcast, head to my website, lettheverseflow.com, or find me on all major podcast apps. I'll be sharing stories, my original poetry, and music playlists that inspire this show. We're in this together. So reach out to me on instagram.com, lettheverseflow, and let me know what you think and what topics you'd like me to cover. You'll also find extras, like how I create this show and what inspires my music selections and poetry. I hope you'll tune in to Let the Verse Flow to hear my reflections from the bright side of the beat.